0: If you think you felt a great disturbance in the Force, you're not wrong. Ed Gross and me, Mark A. Altman, have a new oral history coming out this July from St. Martin's Press. It's Secrets of the Force, the complete, uncensored, unauthorized oral history of the Star Wars saga. So wherever you buy books, audio and video, pick it up today, pre-order, and you can learn the Secrets of the Force. And don't miss our oral history of Star Trek in stores now. And of course, nobody does it better. The complete oral history of James Bond in digital, hardcover, paperback, and audio. That is all.
1: If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like ET2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: If you're a fan of Inglorious Trexperts, you're going to love Trexperts Briefing Room, a Trekspert's new series. Briefing
1: Room? What is that?
0: I was about to explain, then you interrupted oh, me. i it sorry. Is, it's curated audio commentaries of classic Star Trek episodes from the original series all the way through Enterprise. You're going to love it as we explore the behind the scenes making of of all these wonderful Star Trek episodes with cast and crew that you would never expect to hear doing audio commentaries on Star Trek. Sounds like fun. It will be. And you can (laughs) find it on the Inglorious Treksperts podcast feed and on the new Treksperts Briefing podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's go see what's out there. This is Mark A. Altman, and this is Music to My Ears Week on the 430 Movie. And once again, I'm here with all your favorite 430 Movie hosts. The, some of them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm missing an action. So first we had the very melodic Monday, Mr. Stephen Melching. Mm, do re mi fa so la do. Me, 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 me always about you, 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 you. Isn't <laughs>
2: <it>? <laughs>
0: <laughs> on, uh, on on Tuesday, we have the not very sibilant Darren Docterman.
3: You couldn't think of a musical. Uh, I couldn't. You know, I'm not very Tuesday. Good with
0: the, I love music, but I'm how about, not good. How about Tremolo Tuesday? How would that Oh, there be? you go. How about treble? We're turning up the. Tre- oh, no, that's, wait, that's,
2: that's
0: the, not. The, we're tr- no, no, no. No, no. All
4: trouble, about no. that. Or, base.
0: OK, OK, very good. Very good. And then on Wednesday, what's a good musical term for Wednesday? Anyone? Oh boy! No. W. good
5: W. What's a good W. musical term? You know, when the
0: kids were young, I used to read them this book. M is for music, and they had a, a for every letter, they had a different musical a word. I wish I, I I had that book right now, so I could come well, up with some good pun for young, Ashley Miller on Wednesday.
6: And and life was know, an open was book. Open book?
0: Uh, I used to say, opening. live and let live. You know, you did.
6: You know, you did.
0: Oh, my gosh. And which version of that do you prefer? The Paul McCartney version or the one in the Filet Soul restaurant? The, the cover version. <laughs> the soul version.
3: I, I just watched that movie the other night because yes. I'm, I'm going through all the Bond. What we have order. here is
6: a man with a very small head who lost a fight with a chicken.
3: Yeah.
0: It doesn't really hold up very well. No. oh come on you know it's live like, this is what i will say about living let die first of all it has some great lines names are for tombstones baby but <laughs> uh but 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 yeah it's not very good but you know for me what was cool growing up in new york was this was the james bond movie that took place partially in new york so i always yeah. thought that was cool and you know this whole chase on the fdr drive so whenever i went to my grandparents up the fdr drive i'm like Looking around because I'm thinking there's a black <laughs> pimp mobile following us. I,
3: <laughs> I just shoot. I just noticed that there are so many 1972 Impalas in the movie. Oh my god! So, totally, yeah. every shot there is another. I, apparently, they had a deal with Chevy. Right,
0: uh, look, it's it's not a great movie, but it has Jane Seymour, hey, who's Yasa, gorgeous. Yaphet Kotto yeah. is, is great. is great.
3: Made Everybody else beast. in it is really weird, though. And yeah, then, but and,
6: it's, it's it, for my money, it's one of the only Roger Moore James Bond movies where he's pointed a gun at somebody, and I believed that he was actually intending to shoot. Come on. you know what and I mean? How like, great...
3: For your money, how how
0: much have you paid for it? <laughs> um, <laughs> not, a, a, lot? a lot. How great is Jeffrey Holder? Jeffrey Holder you know, is great he, as Baron Sammy. No,
3: he's not. He's he's oh, he's, he's, he's mugging on. it, and it's hilarious, but mm. you know.
0: I I prefer him in the Seven Up ads. I was gonna say, like, I love this (laughs) I love the stuff in New Orleans. Uh, His whose funeral is this? Yours? Yeah, Uh,
3: that's that's fine. It's it's kitschy though. It's kitschy. kitschy. Look,
0: it's definitely kitschy. But you know, it proved to to people that Roger Moore could be a great Bond, that the franchise could survive after Connery left and after. you know, Lazenby and and you know Moore made that role his own for a long time. Absolutely. and you know it also has the greatest one sheet. The one sheet is freaking gorgeous. Yeah, plus the and George Martin. Song. Well, not only that, the George Martin score is good. I mm-hmm. love that scene where she's dealing the tarot cards. A man arrives over water, yeah. and yeah, it shows awesome. the plane yeah. leaving, uh, landing on on in, you know Pan Am landing in uh, at, at JFK.
5: What's Pan
6: so, Am? The kid, the kids ask.
2: That's
5: right. <laughs> and I, I got to tell you, I saw Paul McCartney at the Hollywood Bowl a few years back, and he did Live and Let Die. And it was freaking amazing. Uh, we had the, with the fireworks going off and all the big horn hits. It was so tremendous. you're saying that you really appreciate
3: the music in Live and Let Die
0: more yeah. than the movie.
3: I, well, yeah. we, you know, but here's the great it's
0: story that. about that. And then we'll talk about music. <laughs> the great story. Is So bro- this, I don't know if it was Saltzman or Broccoli, but when I listened to the demo tape of the the song, you know, the Paul McCartney, said, this song is great. Who are we going to have record it? And George what? Martin's like, well, Paul McCartney's going to record it in the studio. No, but not, But who are we going to have record it? I mean, I know he wrote the song. It's like, no, no, you don't understand. You only get the song if Paul McCartney records it. He was a Beatle. And they're like, yeah. well, no, but we could get like Shirley Bassey or Frank Sinatra <laughs> or somebody. And it's like, No! <laughs> Wow, that's bonkers. It's uh, amazing yeah. they made it out of the 70s. Where, where would, I, us, where is, would I
5: read about this story, Mark?
0: Well, it's funny you say that. That's <laughs> one of the many fascinating stories about the James Bond movies. As seen and heard in the oral history of the James Bond films of Spy Mania, Nobody Does It Better by Mark A. Altman and Ed Gross, available at bookstores now, as well as digital and audio. So pick it up today. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. <laughs> 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 well, wow, you know that was right down the middle. Yeah. So uh, anyway, music to my ears week. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you. We're doing a week of movies with great motion picture scores that, in many cases, elevated the movies they were married to. Now, I want to ask you guys because you know a lot of times you see at the Oscars, it's the the movies with the best songs that get nominated. Like people can't tell the difference between. A score and songs, particularly with the Disney films, you know, they always win. And people are like, I like those songs. But no, are you that's not referring what... to the background score. <laughs> 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 and it's like, oh, that's Saturday Night Fever. You know, it's like, okay, David Shire did some nice instrumental music. Sure but is. what people are talking about is they love the Bee Gees, right? That's right. Yeah, Congratulations really- to the music supervisor and the Bee Gees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's not, and that's not what we're honoring today. Although I do want to ask you guys, like, what are some movies that had great songs? Like, you know, that you just you yeah. loved. Well, certainly the 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 movie that won the
6: Oscar for the greatest movie ever made, um, Highlander, <laughs> Flash <laughs> Gordon is who wants to live forever. Actually, I asked that's right.
2: Um,
6: both of those, like, both of those movies had amazing soundtracks. The soundtrack,
0: not the score. The soundtrack. From and TV. I'd make the same case with something like uh, you know, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Yeah Bob Fisher. Sure. Did a great you know, great song for that. Not Gonna Heaven's store came out of that. But that's not what this, that's not what the show is about. That's not what a reporter. We're here to talk about movie scores. I'd love to know from you guys, you know, when it was that you sort of discovered the music of the movies and got you excited about film music because I know we're all big fans of film music here on the show. So Steve, like what was, what was you? when did you discover movie soundtracks?
5: Well, that's very easy. You know, that was the John Williams double LP soundtrack to star Wars in 1977. That was, I think the first LP I ever bought with my own money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I became a huge, I always liked music before that. Um, but uh, I, that started me down the film score path and uh, I was buying film soundtracks and film scores in junior high and high school instead of rock and roll albums. I mm-hmm. preferred the orchestral strains of uh, Jerry Goldsmith and John Williams and and the like. And uh, yeah, I'm a huge film score fan. From what about you, Darren?
3: Um, I think the the realization that there was something called a film score that I could go and purchase... Uh, came from Star Wars. But immediately after that, I sort of went back in my history of watching movies and uh, found scores to all these other movies that I loved. And that is, uh, it, it It did sort of start the ball rolling on enjoying scores by themselves without the benefit of the visuals. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I listened to... Uh, like tons of score, like for the you know the original 1938 Robin Hood, which I always loved watching it on TV, and what there was a, a re-recording of it made in the uh, mid early 80s, and I just would listen to that thousands of times. Um, but uh, it it is it is traceable back to 77 and that uh, double LP. But uh, man, it opened up an entire uh, entire world of enjoyment. What about you, Ashley? When
6: did you sort of fall in love with movie music? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, the John Williams score for Star Wars is iconic. Um, I mean, I would argue that The Empire Strikes Back is better. But, um, but that's neither here nor there, because it's not about that. It's like, it's when did it kind of hit me? And I think um, I-, I was mentally ready for it to hit me by the time that I saw Superman the movie in the theater. That was the first time I remember being consciously aware of feeling something and having that feeling being connected to the music on the screen and how the music on the screen married to what I was looking at, right? right? Like I was able to put that whole picture together. And weirdly, I think the moment that it landed for me, Superman landed, uh, was when he and Lois are flying over Metropolis. Right. Like there was a, something about that moment that made me go, Oh, click, Holy crap. Right. There's like, there's, there's something that's happening with like with the music in this. And I'm feeling something because of it. I understand. It's like, I'm, you know, fucking eight, nine years old. And like, I, you know, I've never dated a girl. I couldn't tell her what color her panties are. Like none of those, (laughs) (laughs) but, but, but I felt something about that moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, um, it's a really special part of uh, the movies. And uh, I'll tell you, it's interesting because I know we all had the Star Wars experience. I actually was purloining vinyl from my parents' record rack before Star Wars. I, I was stealing um, <laughs> well, I, The Graduate. I, I was one of the albums I stole, but of course that was songs mostly. Uh, Simon but, 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 but a great film soundtrack, soundtrack. Yeah, 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 great absolutely. Score. But it was actually um, uh, the Bond albums. They, I can tell you, they had from Russia with love, Goldfinger and Thunderball, and boy, I played those all the time. They disappeared, never, never returned. Um, and The Great Escape, Albert right. Bernstein's magnificent score to The Great Escape, and I would listen to those all the time. So I was primed and ready for Star Wars. So when I saw Star Wars, I immediately wanted the album, and of course they couldn't print them much like the toys, quick enough. So right. it, it was hard to get. And and I remember my aunt called me and said, I got good news. I'm I'm bringing the Star Wars. I found it for you. And she was always great bringing presents and toys. And she didn't have kids of her own. So she would always bring us great stuff. And so she shows up that one night for dinner. And she had the Miko album. Oh. And I'm like, oh, come on. Oh. And it's like, yeah. I was so disappointed. And uh, so. Not that um, the Miko um, album isn't great. No, is. and I listened to it a lot. But yeah. Uh, music, what was it What was it called again? Music from the galaxy? No, music from... No, it was just music. Star Wars. Star Wars, another galactic Star Wars, funk. another funk. Another galactic funk. Right, right. Okay. And then, uh, you know, there were so many knockoffs at the time. It, it was amazing. It was, you know, so many different albums. But I finally got the Star Wars. Uh, and that's where, of course, I learned the, the Dianaga, the word Dianaga. Because <laughs> that was the first time I ever saw it published uh, in the uh, trash can- compactor. And it's funny because I actually got the score for Empire Strikes Back before I saw the movie. Yeah, so so I-, I remember listening to that. And the first thing that comes on on side one is the Imperial March, right? Side, or is it something side two? And I must have played that a thousand times. Yeah. I must have needed a new needle on my record player because I, I, I ruined a needle on that album. Yeah, yeah my, was, uh, my
5: best friend had, had bought that album, and I just remember going to his house and, you know, laying down on the floor in front of the stereo with hushed breath, just listening to the album straight through and wondering, wow, this is amazing. This is so cool. But that was a piece. Of, sorry, go ahead, Steve. Oh, you can keep
0: talking about Empire. I was going to change the subject. Well, no, I was just going <laughs> to say, but there was a piece of vinyl. That was 1980, but there was a piece of vinyl we all owned the year before that was uh, perhaps just as seminal for many of us. And, of course, that was Jerry Goldsmith's magnificent score for Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have my copy. It is ruined. <laughs> Destroyed. <laughs> um, it has, you know, but luckily, it's been uh, preserved, preserved, in preserved perfect detail. and transformed into data patterns. Uh, <laughs> so that I can, we can all enjoy it now perfectly. Equally. You know, here with funny. every detail.
5: It's funny, Mark. You mentioned raiding your parents' record cabinet, and I, I did the same thing. And I remember one LP that I found in there that I still, it just boggles my mind that they owned this album. Yeah, and I kind of, <laughs> <laughs> it was a Clockwork Orange. They, oh had my the, God. they had the LP, the early LP soundtrack to Clockwork Orange and I had never seen the movie. I'd barely heard of it but I remember playing it and being fascinated by this yeah. record and it was years until I finally saw the movie.
6: You really dug uh, Ludwig Van? Yeah, well, when, Wendy Carlos. Wendy Carlos. All time Carlos. steps.
5: Yeah, it was, it was a cool album. I want to marry a lighthouse keeper. Yeah, keep him company. <laughs> oh no, yeah, no that no, was just a
3: comment. That wasn't about the album.
5: So yeah, so so listening to Star Wars and that got me kind of into classical music, which led me down a path of being a musician in my early years. I, I was wondering, I know Darren was a musician in school, and yeah. I was as well. Or any? Uh, do you want to talk about that, Would, Darren? You just you just said something that that triggered my memory.
3: Star Wars wasn't the first soundtrack album I went nuts over. Fantasia was. Oh, oh interesting. I listened to that in kindergarten. Over mm-hmm. and over again. And I think at some point I, I made the mistake of uh, standing up in kindergarten and conducting uh, a piece from that. Um, Leopold?
6: Well, here's a question <laughs> about Fantasia. All right. This is where we need a ruling from the line judge on Fantasia. Yeah. Now, the music for Fantasia was not obviously... Like none it's of those songs were for the film, specifically like. for that animation. It's like, a the song score, was, right? It's yeah. actually like it's a soundtrack. It's not a yeah, score. Yeah, it's yeah, a soundtrack.
3: Oh, yeah. well, it's both because it was recorded yes. specifically for the movie.
6: Yes, the music was not written for the for the movie. Which is, well, I think, which
3: to me is like, is the difference. Yeah, but you can like argue. You can, you can argue that a lot of James Horner's uh,
6: compositions. Weren't <laughs> written, <laughs> yes, movie. That's <laughs> true. It's like so, Aliens I is know, basically like Star Trek Two, which is uh, uh, on the human, Stars. And
0: humanoids from the deep. And yes. yeah
3: So yeah. you know, let's not go there. But I, I think that <laughs> if whatever the music, if, it, if it's if it's a, I think we're talking about if it's orchestral, it's non uh, non sung and it's not broken up into you know like 4 minute bites. Uh, yeah. I think that can determine
0: whether or not it's a score. But what about or what about RoboCop 2? It's sung, RoboCop
2: <laughs> RoboCop.
0: Oh. <laughs> and then of course, let's not forget Enio Morricone's brilliant score for Red Sonja. Sonja. Oh my
6: god. Sonja.
0: Dude. <laughs> yeah,
6: is that soundtrack? Uh. But that's, that score. It's like, I don't know. Uh, it's weird. It's weird what the distinction is. But to me, it's, it, well, that's another question, okay? Because now we're into songs that were written specifically for movies. Yeah. So Rocky IV, John yeah. Barr, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Like, okay, so he's writing songs for that movie. That's not, that soundtrack. Not score. That's soundtrack,
3: absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. interesting, isn't, isn't it? it? Under it's four minutes. Elmo's
0: Fire isn't. Right? That Except soundtrack. soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's so, look, we, we, we decided to do, you know, a few weeks ago, we honored cinematography with our uh, pictures worth a thousand words. We, you know, a lot of the unsung heroes of motion pictures. Um, to us, you know, film composers don't get the love and respect that they deserve. Uh, you know, again, you, you ask people what their favorite movie scores are, and it inevitably, it's always Greece. I love Greece. First of all, not only does that not count, but it was also based on a Broadway play first, so it's 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 wrong in so many ways. Not that the songs aren't great, they are, but you know that's not a great movie score. Um, okay. By the way, so, next week is Best Boy Week on the fourth of <laughs> Monday, it's a spinner. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> so I wanna I wanna before we start uh, we start talking about these. I, you know, the day we're recording this show, uh, the great Norman Lloyd passed away at 106 years old, and I'd be remiss if we didn't uh, pay our respects to this amazing, amazing man. You know, look, a lot of the audience, you know, may be from St. Elsewhere. You probably know him from his one episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. <laughs> but the fact is, this man belongs on the Mount Rushmore of of movies. Yeah. He worked with Orson Welles, John Houseman. Um, he, 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 uh, he was in Saboteur working with Hitchcock for many years. Just a, r- a remarkable, remar- but a rank tour first class. Um, I saw him, Steve, I think you did as well, at the Telluride Film Festival, where he regaled us for hours with stories of his career. And uh, he was he sharp, just- as attack. sharp as a tack, sharp as a tack in his 80s. Telling me these his, great stories. His loss
3: means a horrible hole in uh, live six degrees of
6: separation.
3: I mean, this
5: he, man was born right after World War I broke out. He was yeah. here for the entirety of the American
0: film industry, essentially. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he worked on many seminal films. And the ones he didn't, he knew, he was friends with Chaplin, with Buster Keaton. Yeah, I mean, extraordinary, extraordinary um He uh, knew stories. people. <laughs> he, knew, he, he knew a guy. He knew people. He, he knew, knew people. a guy. And, um, and, you know, apparently he was playing tennis until he was 103. Um, well, That's a problem there, right? <laughs> 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 we well, we always talk about happens. how we should be lucky enough at 90 to, to, to be like Shadner, but I think, you know, we'd be lucky enough at 100 to be like Norman Lloyd. So be lucky um, enough at 70 to be like Norman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just an extraordinary guy. And, and if you don't know much about Norman Lloyd, um you should you should really uh check uh, check out his films and do a little research on him because he was a really extraordinary guy and um i'm just really lucky we were lucky to sort of bathe in the, the glow of his uh appearance um you know like i said i just knew him from saying elsewhere and i didn't really know the history and uh listening to him speak was really one of the great joys of uh you know, my many movie going experiences and, and Steve, we were really lucky. And then he went back to Telluride like 10 or 15 years later and, uh, apparently was just as charming and just as endearing. And, you know, I always loved his character in saying elsewhere. And I even loved his character on, uh, uh, next generation, you know, he played Picard's mentor in the chase. So, okay. Yes. Rest in peace, Norman Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Uh, today's episode Music to my ears. And as always, we curate a fantasy theme week of classic movies, starting with Monday and Steve Melching. Steve Melching, what's your pick from
4: Monday?
5: Wow, well, this is a, a huge topic and I, I chose to narrow it down uh, along the lines of something we discussed of the, the score being a great score that, as you said earlier, elevated the movie that it's in or, or took a movie that might have been you know, a C movie and turn it into a B or B plus or, or a B, you know, like that brought the movie up a level just through its sheer creativity and power and, and really, you know, brought out depths and subtleties that may or may not have been in the film itself and, and just really, really made the movie something that it might not have, that it wouldn't have been otherwise without this particular score. And I was stuck between two movies for the longest time. and. The other movie, I'm sure, is a strong contender for Friday, and uh, it's a strong contender for probably many other weeks on the show because <laughs> it's a classic. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go for a movie that is not considered a classic, um, but the score to this movie just knocked my socks off from the, from the very beginning, uh, seeing this movie in the theater. And uh, this is a movie from, And it's been... Uh, the music, the score for this has been part of my writing playlists... Uh, for years since then. It's great writing music. And uh, I, just, I just love it. And uh, it, is, it is the score and the film for 2010's Tron Legacy by Daft Punk.
7: What do you say tomorrow you and I hit the arcade? First game's on me.
5: Can we play doubles on the same team?
4: We're always on the same team. Our lead story, Kevin Flynn, was reported missing. The visionary icon, and ENCOM CEO skyrocketed to the top of the tech industry. He was last seen at home with his son Sam, leaving behind an empire and a now orphaned little boy.
7: Sam, I was Paige last night. Paige came from your dad's office at the arcade and you're acting like I'm going to find him sitting there working. Where am I? Where am I?
4: Your father was the creator. He never thought he'd
2: see you again? Dad.
7: Sam. Long time? You have no idea. The Grid. A place of infinite possibility. It's incredible. More beautiful than I ever dreamed. And more dangerous mm. than I ever imagined. What happened? My creation turned against me. Heaven's plan. Where are you now? What am I supposed to do? Survive. So we have to get you out of here.
2: Is our destiny?
5: And the film itself, I think, is is okay. You know, Tron, the original Tron, I, I have a lot of affection for. It's a cool movie. It's fun. It has its own uh, groundbreaking score by Wendy Carlos, um, and you know, electronic orchestral hybrid. And uh, the sequel actually, I th- I think did a lot of really interesting things with uh, with a movie that was kind of goofy originally. Um, um, but the new movie, it's the story is is decent. Uh, it, it gets a little weird by the third act for me, but I love the first half of it, and uh, it's got a great. I like the cast, um, Jeff Bridges and. And uh, uh, Olivia Wilde and Garrett Hedlund and Bruce Boxleitner and Michael Sheen, uh, directed by Joseph Kaczynski uh, with great visual flair. And I know Darren helped out on that on the, on the uh, design team. Extremely little. But, but some. But, but some. it is, a, it is a, a gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous looking movie. It's immaculate. The, 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 the design of the, of, the, um, of the grid space is tremendous. But on top of that, you have this astounding score by Daft Punk, which just blasts over the speakers. You know Daft Punk, uh, those guys, uh, these these two French guys, Guy Manuel de Homem Cristo and Thomas uh, Bangalter. I'm sure I butchered those names, but I've never. That's heard why they call themselves blood. Daft Punk. Yeah, you <laughs> right, so you can pronounce it. And they're primarily electronic, uh, electronic artists and and DJs and and doing house music and stuff. They've had uh, a number of. They won six Grammys. They've put out several albums but uh, they were fans of the original Tron and apparently it took a while for uh, Joseph Kaczynski to, to get through to them because they were touring and they were a little reluctant to take on the project at first because they actually really did like the original film and wanted to make sure that the sequel would would live up to it. And once they got involved, you know, I think they they took the ball. They, they took the disc and ran with it <laughs> and uh, created this score that, is just enveloping and powerful and and a real, a true fitting uh, successor to the Wendy Carlos score from the original movie. And it, once again, it's a, it's a combination of electronic music and an 85 piece orchestra uh, recorded in London and uh, uh, arranged and orchestrated by Joseph uh, Trapanese and, um, the film, the soundtrack, the score album uh, charted at number 10 on the Billboard chart, which is a rarity for a film score. Star Wars famously did that back in 1977. Uh, And it's a certified gold record. And uh, so, to me, it took a a sequel that might have just been, you know, maybe a C plus or B minus and just brought it up a full letter grade for me. Mm. Yeah, man, I could talk about the score kind of
6: Forever. I mean, I I'm with you. Like, I there's a lot about Tron Legacy that kind of leaves me going. "Uh, I mean, the movie ends like, and she's supposed to be impressed that they're riding a motorcycle into fucking Vancouver. (laughs) Okay, Um, I guess that's happening. But uh, but as a score, right from from beginning to end, like it's whatever my other problems are with that film. um, It is an incredibly well conceived and well directed score uh, because it does, it, it turns it into kind of an electronic opera and it really helps tell the story. There's a reason why if you buy the disc, you can, like, and I've, I don't know if there's anything else out there that's like this, you can turn off all the f- dialogue and just watch the movie with the score, which is frankly my, my preferred viewing experience, which is like, I, and I don't want like, to like to crap on the movie itself. Cause I actually think there's like some cool stuff in there. But I think that the, that the combination of the visuals and the music is so specific and so cool and that the score itself, it isn't just scoring the different sequences and it isn't kind of creating a wallpaper that goes in the background. It's truly scoring the film. It's, it's, it's telling an entire story from beginning to end musically. And it's fascinating. And it look, it owes a lot to a lot of things that have come before it. But it really takes it and it and it elevates it and it makes it feel new, which I think is really the really the trick, um, and it's just incredibly well done. And I'm with you; like I can listen to this while I write or while I do anything, like over and over and over again. And I love watching um, Tron Legacy with just the score. It's just it's kind of an amazing audio visual experience.
3: I enjoy the score to Tron Legacy way more than the film. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and i think that it's uh, it's fascinating that its textures and its uh melodies and and the structure of the score um stand on their own extremely well and sometimes it it works so much better than the film uh that it's jarring when you're watching the film because the, the music is taking you in one direction, and, and the movie is going into a, a horrible little jaunt into uh, frightening uncanny valley. Um, <laughs> and it's, uh, it, it's, it's a very odd thing. I mean, I, I have a lot of negative feelings uh, built in for the, the film for reasons I won't go into. But I do enjoy the score extremely much, and uh, it's a fun listen.
5: Well, it's, just so wanna, re- it's so relentless. It just powers you through. I mean it just picks you up and it's a big electronic train that
3: carries you through the through movie. Through the movie.
5: It's yeah. just propulsive and relentless and and
0: and creative. I'm I, I want to correct Ashley that actually isolated audio score scores are fairly common on a lot of uh, Blu-rays and DVDs. So it's not unique to Tron okay. Legacy. Um but also um I, I gotta say, I I I Q really love the score. I don't particularly like the movie. I think the score is terrific. Uh, um, I remember, you know, our good friends um, uh, Rob Burnett and his uh, former wife Elena used to have these great Friday night uh, parties at their house where they would put on usually Barbarella and they would mm-hmm. just have you know with the sound off and just play either Air or Daft Punk and a bunch of techno, and it was always delightful. So. Bad movies can always benefit from great <laughs> scores, um, and that that was always fun. But I actually thought, Steve, it's funny you went with Daft Punk, you know, which is obviously a, a big, you know, techno, you know, DJs and everything. I thought yes, you were going go to. It's not normally my scene at all. Yeah, it's yeah, not right, really my thing. Mean, I'm surprised because I would have picked you as Wang Chung to live and die in L.A. <laughs> and and, <laughs> no. and so I'm a little surprised by. Steve uh, is by more Rob uh, Burnett. I-, I like
5: electronic music. I like. Vangelis and 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 uh, uh, oh, I just blanked on it. A Tangerine Dream and, and stuff like Earth. that. Uh, uh, a yeah. craftwork, um, but house uh, music. Uh, this uh, kind of house, house stuff isn't really my thing. But God, I love this score. No, no, great,
0: great, great score. And and don't say Tangerine Dream because we haven't gotten to Wednesday yet. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, <laughs> that brings us to Darren and Tuesday. The first pick, Steve. Uh, Tron Legacy is on the board for Monday. What's it going to be for Tuesday?
3: Well, Steve uh, brought us into the, uh, into the, uh, the recent path. Um, I'm going to take us even farther back uh, to 1970. Um, a movie that was actually a TV movie that uh, was directed by uh, Delbert Mann, starring George C. Scott and Susanna York. It is a yet another version of
7: jane eyre what did you learn at lowood music to play
4: a little sir
7: of course they all play a little well go to the piano play something
4: not wrong, then,
7: in my assessment. You're very cool. An orphan child of low degree. Where do you find such coolness?
4: Out of my head, sir.
7: The one I see on your shoulders?
4: Yes, sir.
7: And has it other furniture of the same kind within?
4: It is well stocked, I hope sir. So. Uh,
3: I've talked about the Orson Welles version of this uh, a couple years ago. But this version is very interesting. It is, in fact, on Amazon Prime, and you can watch it. It is there, Um, and it's fascinating. Of course, uh, uh, Rochester is played by uh, George C. Scott, not the one from the Jack Benny show.
2: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Rochester! I knew that was
3: coming. Uh, But uh, the score is done by a fairly young and uh, relatively inexperienced john williams
2: johnny williams
3: is gorgeous now this is at the point where he stopped being johnny williams uh and it is uh, it is absolutely astonishing the mm. depth that this score has and the complexity it sounds exactly like uh you know like a william walton or you know early english classical music amazing the ability he can uh, be chameleon like and transform his style into the style of the the time that the movie takes place it's truly lovely um, mm. all the all the cues on it are are brilliant there is a there's a re-recording of it that is out there that I was first introduced to it uh, from uh, but uh, it is absolutely lovely and if you can uh, watch it on, Amazon Prime. It's uh, it's great. The movie itself is fine. It's not great. It's lit very well, uh, and uh, George C. Scott is interesting in anything he's in, but uh, it's a little stilted. It's a little uh, it's a little odd. You know, it's 1970. The the movie industry had been uh, going into a a, a horrible spiral uh, to uh, almost death.
0: So by the way. Uh, How great are those George C. Scott Scott stories in the Mike Nichols biography?
3: Oh, they're great. They're amazing.
0: So great. They're amazing.
3: Um, uh, I won't go into my George C. Scott story again. But uh, it's... uh, The movie is fascinating to watch. Susanna York is luminous. uh, You know, eight years before she she plays Superman's mother. mother. Yes. Uh, But uh, check it out, because the score is absolutely amazing. And the score... Did win let me check on here it did win uh a an emmy primetime emmy uh at the emmy awards from 1972 so it was it probably came out late late 1970 or maybe it even aired in 1971 but uh uh, john williams won outstanding achievement in music composition for a special program and uh george c scott uh One uh, outstanding single performance by an actor uh, at the primetime Emmys
0: in 72. Well, my question to Steve and Ashley is, are we going to allow this pick? This is the first time a MOW TV movie has been picked on the show. And there has been some question as to whether those should count. So um, are we we going to allow uh, Darren to pick this or are we going to make him pick something else?
6: You know, if it were you, Mark, (laughs) I would say no. <laughs> but I don't want Darren to cry, because I can't handle it.
5: I just can't. I
3: can't. I, I, it. I certainly can't.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I think we've we've had uh, TV stuff on before. I'm fine. No, we was it, haven't. Was it okay. Exhibited theatrically. I'm sure. I mean, it was anyway, at some
0: point. anywhere. Internationally, probably. Internationally, probably. <laughs> probably. That,
3: but I mean, Delbert Mann. You know. I
0: mean, yeah. he, ah, John he, Williams. Was,
3: okay. the, the, the you know. The pedigree of this is all
0: movies, baby. Well, look, you know what? Steve and Ashley have said, allow it. (laughs) So regardless of my vote, I assume you would say to allow it. One again. It's allowed. It's allowed. The motion is denied.
6: (laughs) uh, The particular nature of this week. I think it's easier
5: to allow it. Steve has done research, apparently. Oh, By the way, I forgot to mention with Tron Legacy...
0: um, (laughs) We're back to Monday. We're going back in time. Darren mentioned
5: mentioned awards, and that soundtrack was not even nominated for an Oscar, despite it probably maybe should have winning, although the score that won that year was The Social Network by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, Ah, which which I think is is a brilliant score. So maybe I would still give that one the edge, but, you know, it lost to, you know, how to train your dragon and the king, the king's speech. Alexander I remember described. the
6: Tron Legacy score. I don't really remember the Social it, Network score. Oh, the, no, oh, Social Networks is a great score. No, it is great. Okay. I'm, did, I, I do remember it being great, but I can't like, I can't go, oh, yeah, I remember that, you know, rest You know what I'm de- saying? Like, I can not sort of mentally call it up.
3: I don't recall the edge working on that score. You said you were going <laughs> to give it the edge, and I don't think that's.
0: Oh, right. uh, 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 I, mean, I didn't know I okay. said I was going to edge it
6: a little bit.
3: Okay, just, well, well,
0: uh, Ashley, you're going to have your chance in a second because we've come to Wednesday.
2: <laughs> Speaking of uh, edging, we've come to Wednesday.
0: And <laughs> uh, now we get to hear your pick for Music to My Ears Week. We've had Daft Punk and Tron Legacy, we've had John Williams and Jane Eyre, and now we come to Wednesday.
6: Yeah, man. Uh, look, this is a tough week for me because I I love film score. I love what score can do for a movie. Um, you know, I, I love or or for a television show. Quite frankly, how you know that soundscape can really define the emotional experience of the film. Again, it's like I referenced Superman the movie. Um, it was that being that part of that experience for me was how I felt about that movie came down to the score. And very often, how I experience the music um, will inform how I experience the film. Um, and something that had a huge impact on me and has seen something of a revival, I, I think, in part because you know nostalgia is cool. I, I think, in part because uh, you know Tron Legacy like had a huge impact on on how film is is scored. Um, is that kind of that that electronica, right? Like, if I were to kind of point to something very recent that I thought was an incredibly successful example of that sort of a score, I would point to Thor Ragnarok, mm. which I thought had just an amazing, amazing score. And what I thought was really terrific about it was just that combination of um, taking an instrumental orchestral score and really and taking the synth and using the synth, you know, kind of in the kind of in the sort of in the high notes right in that high range and kind of in the low range and just and really buttressing it um, and and giving it texture with the synths and then turning it around i mean there's so many things that score does that, that are just amazing but i don't know that you can have a conversation about thor ragnarok or you can have a conversation about um even tron legacy unless you really talk about how electronica and electronica in the context of um an orchestral score in film really began, which takes me back to Tangerine Dream. Now, Tangerine Dream has got a lot of great scores, and I'm not going to name names because I feel like that's a partly a conversation for for Friday. And I I really debated what was the movie I was going to bring up as my example of of what it is that you need to watch and you really need to listen to to get it. There's some terrific examples, some of which are quite unexpected. And again, I'll talk about that on Friday. Um, but I think you have to go back to May of 1977, movie comes out directed by um, one of the most successful di- box office in terms of box office and critical uh, successful directors it, working in Hollywood um, with the star of really the first blockbuster in Hollywood history. Um, a movie that, that people expected was going to do extraordinarily well and then came out and got kind of a middling critical response at the time, and then got swamped because kids, it's May of 1977 when Star Wars comes out. And Star Wars consumes all the oxygen in the room and rightfully so. But a movie comes out by William Friedkin. I mean, we just we just made a, a mention of To Live and Die in LA and Wang Chung and all that other stuff. And, and Friedkin is one of the great thriller directors of all time. He had directed, of course, The Exorcist, uh, which has also an amazing score. Um, But he comes out with this movie called Sorcerer. In
7: 1971, William Friedkin directed The French Connection. It received five Academy Awards, including Best Picture of the Year. In 1974, he directed The Exorcist. It made history. Since then, Friedkin has spent over two years in five countries on three continents, creating his latest film, An Unusual Adventure into the Realm of Suspense. in a life that was also a death. Four men take an incredible chance, face an impossible challenge, and risk the only thing they have left to lose. Roy Scheider in a new film by William Friedkin. Sorcerer. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested.
6: Now, we generally say that Sorcerer is a remake of The Wages of Fear, right? The the plot is Um, that Roy Scheider and some French dude uh, find themselves in the Dominican Republic uh, for various reasons. They're stuck there. They need money. They want to get out. And something happens. An oil rig uh, explodes and it's on fire. And the owner of the rig needs to put it out. To put it out, he needs to get dynamite to the site. But the dynamite that he's got has been stored improperly. So nitroglycerin is leaking everywhere, which means that transporting it is incredibly difficult, incredibly dangerous. They hire four drivers to drive this stuff 200 miles from point A to point B. Roy Scheider and this French guy uh, are two of the drivers uh, who have to make this perilous journey, which is really only about half the film. Um, the tension in the film is fantastic, as you might imagine. Again, we're talking about William Friedkin. It looks beautiful. Again, we're talking about William Friedkin. The acting is terrific, but what's going on musically is the is the debut of Tangerine Dream in a film score, kind of bringing you know their electronica vibe uh, to this film. And there are tracks in that movie that you listen to that you're like, oh, I completely, I recognize that. I don't even know that it's from this movie, from 1977, Sorcerer, but I do recognize that music. And I recognize how that music and how that approach to music evolved over time and how even now we look back at it, whether we're talking about Tron Legacy or Thor Ragnarok or Stranger Things right? You can't have conversations about that. You can't talk about John Carpenter. You can't talk about Alan Hovarth. You can't talk about like any of those guys unless you're talking about what Tangerine Dream did in 1977 in Sorcerer. And it's, it's truly awesome. Look, the movie on its own is great. It's gone through something of a critical renaissance. Like they re-released it like in, in HD 4K, like I think like a couple years ago. Uh, it looks beautiful. It is absolutely worth your time to watch it. It's Roy Scheider, star of Jaws, who's awesome. Um, it's great on all those levels. But as a debut, as a coming out party for Tangerine Dream, it's amazing, should be noted. William Friedkin, uh, who specifically went after Tangerine Dream to do the score after seeing them in concert, said after they had scored Sorcerer, said he had wished they had scored The Exorcist, okay? Mm -hmm. The Exorcist, which has some of the most iconic, like, you think about Tubular Bells, right? Like, you hear that, you know, the the Tubular Bells song, you think of The Exorcist, and William Friedkin is like, you know what, screw it, I wish I'd had Tangerine Dream. (laughs) That's how great a job they did. Uh, for new kids to the party, um, that's how interesting this score is. And frankly, it, it changed film scores. I mean, look, some, in some ways for the better. In some ways, like trying to ape that, I think, kind of led people to doing score on the cheap, which isn't good. Uh, but overall, like as an, as an exercise in how music gets married to film, I think Sorcerer is just, um, is just exceptional.
0: Yeah, well, look, I I wouldn't argue with that. I'm really glad you didn't say uh, Legend, because then I would have had to say Jerry Goldsmith for Legend if we would have really had to (laughs) duke it out. Um, But... um, yeah, look, uh, uh, Tangerine Dream's great. I love their score for Near Dark. Obviously, I love um, their score for Risky Business in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, love, I love their score for Legend, and I love Jerry's score for Legend. Yeah. So, um, And it's funny that you mentioned Thor Ragnarok, because of course that's a great score, but I can't divest that from the brilliant use of uh, Led Zeppelin's Immigrant Song, which is right. the best use of uh, Led Zeppelin since song remains the same. So, um, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, it's a great pick. I mean, the sorcerer is a great movie. You're absolutely right. It's gone through a critical renaissance. It's a shame because, um, you know, thank God for home video because this is a movie that totally, like you said, you know, the air was sucked out because of star Wars and it sort of was considered like the beginning of the end of, uh, William Friedkin's career, which was but- so unfair because it's really a masterpiece.
3: But you know what? The special edition version of Sorcerer with the extra uh, visual effects is terrible.
6: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, especially like, with all the little creatures running around in the yeah. background. That's so weird. Awesome. And like awesome. the CGI
5: dynamite yeah. talking yeah, to them. Yeah, totally. And... <laughs> and
6: I liked it Roy better Shire, when like Jabba the Hutt wasn't like a big creature. <laughs> that was
5: weird. You know, it's funny. My my old bank branch that I used to bank at behind the teller. Uh, window there was a massive mural that was like 40 feet long of Hollywood Boulevard and with the Chinese theater in the in the middle of it and the marquee was Sorcerer and it's so funny like they chose that moment in time to memorialize <laughs> on this gigantic <laughs> mural
0: and they could have just made it a week later when Star yeah. Wars moved into the theater. <laughs> but it's funny. so funny, Steve. For those of you at home watching on the Electric Now channel, uh, uh, Steve gave the game away. He's wearing a 430 movie t-shirt with the uh-huh. Tron f- typeface. So, he, you you know, he was graphic for a typeface. <laughs> typeface? <laughs> yeah. That's actually a good idea.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it is kind of
6: cuz it's like I think it's actually like the 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 uh, the typeface for the film was based on how they painted the name on the truck, which is why it's called Sorcerer. Right. It's named after for
0: the truck. Thanks for giving things away. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't uh, if you haven't checked out some of this great 430 movie swag go to 430movie.com uh 430 movie pod, or for, 430movie.com. No, 430movie.com. 430movie.com 430movie.com there's some really great uh merchandise uh, fun for, for the show fun things for yeah, the fun kids. things yeah absolutely kids. check it out
5: you know for kids and you could yeah. get your Pete pot whistle gear that's
3: right <laughs> which god knows
5: that <laughs> one's think, never going to go away i think that
3: one's on the Inglorious Trexperts.com uh oh. store uh I don't know. Maybe I'll add yeah. them to both. Yeah. Great. Be? Tangerine
0: Dream. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite cues there is making love on a real train. percent. Yes. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's very
6: difficult to make the choice, P.S.
0: Um, Near Dark was the the first CD I bought, along with uh, Peter Gabriel's So and, and Pete go. Townsend's White City. Those, I, oh, but those were the, those inaugurated my, christened my CD player back in 19... Wow, and that Near Dark
5: has been out of print forever. Forever. I tried to find yeah. it a few years ago, and I could not. Well, Steve, it. I'm sure we
0: can work something out. <laughs> okay. I, I did get it. Okay, Ultimately. okay, there you go. So, okay, that brings us to Thursday. Thursday. That's you, Mark. It is, and, and boy, you've made this difficult, because, you know, of course, I, I now have heard your picks and you know there's certain things that uh that i need to reflect in my thinking um one of the first things i knew was that i was not going to repeat any of the picks on this show so great great scores like john barry's body heat and david shire's taking a Pelham one two three and alma bernstein's great escape and alma bernstein's sweet smell success and uh, obviously uh jerry Jerry goldsmith's star trek Motion picture and john barry's on the measure the secret service I'm eliminating all those. I'm, I, it has to be something that hasn't been on the show uh, before. Um, and, uh, you know, hearing, you know, the composers that you've picked, you know, sort of helped me narrow it down. I'm not going to go with like a Bruce Broughton for Silverado or Young Sherlock Holmes because certainly one of the greatest composers of all time, one of the greatest film composers, probably the greatest film composer, certainly along with John Williams is the great jerry goldsmith and none of his scores have been represented yet i'm a huge jerry Goldsmith fan you know and so i feel any any week devoted to film music uh jerry needs to be represented of course Patton has been on the show before i'm not going to pick Patton, uh but that leaves so many shows so many things and um i i i gotta you know i gotta say you know is it chinatown I don't. I. I. No. I'm going to save the is it la confidential. It's a basic instinct. Is it the swarm?
6: <laughs> I, can, I. I can't pick the, the swarm. swarm. I would be so impressed. No.
0: The swarm. The swarm is is for you, uh, Lieutenant Diamato. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I. I am gonna. I'm gonna pick a film, which is 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 um, is not a a masterpiece by any means. Uh it's it's quite a good film. It, it, it's having rewatched it recently. I, I, I have a newfound appreciation for it um, And the music I used to listen to music all the time And it's, it's on my writing Playlist uh, uh, I, I, I've listened to score a lot more than I've seen the movie And uh, But having recently rewatched the movie I, I realized how good the movie is And that film, my pick for Thursday Is Jerry Goldsmith's score For Capricorn 1
3: We are T-18 seconds
1: from liftoff We're T-15 seconds
0: Junior you men, please
1: follow me. Jerry, what the hell is this? This is an emergency. Please follow me now. T minus 10 seconds, 9, 8. We have ignition, 6, 5. We have outboard engines, 3. We have inboard engines, 1,
3: 0. We have a launch commit. We have a liftoff at 35 minutes after the hour.
4: Every split second of this historic flight, every intimate detail, every heartbeat was monitored by Mission Control in Houston.
7: This is Capricorn One. We have landed.
4: As millions all over the world watched and listened, the President of the United States spoke to the astronauts across the vastness of space. To
7: the men of Capricorn One, I bring you greetings from your fellow Americans.
4: There's only one small catch. It It never happened. It's all a lie. A fantastic 30 billion dollar hoax something's wrong and I don't know what it is dig deep enough you might uncover the truth those signals couldn't have come from 300 miles but the odds are you'll never live to tell it please I'm not moving an inch we're on the plane together there's a device it's on the plane there's some people, if I don't get them the all-clear signal, they'll explode it. Something's wrong, something big. They know I'm onto it, and they try to kill me. Who's they? I can't tell you. We are dead. You tell me you're in trouble, you're out on bail, you just got fired, I tell you I'll be right over.
7: My head hurts.
4: You look awful.
7: Thank you very much. You're quite welcome. These people, are capable of anything. <laughs>
4: You sound so close. It's hard to believe you really are that far away in space.
2: It's hard for me to believe it, too.
7: You're up to something. You want my
4: help. It's gotten out of control. It's too big. Capricorn
7: One, this is Houston. Capricorn One, we show red on the heat shield. This is Houston. We show red on the heat shield. Do you read? Pull that lever down by your feet when I tell you, sonny!
4: Capricorn 1. The mission that never got off the ground. Oh! (laughs) Uh, And uh, it's a great score which in
0: probably was married for many years to outland which are which was always really weird that the cd had was married at capricorn one and outland then later on they got their right. own separate the CDs. connection um mm-hmm. yeah but they don't really you know outland kind of if anything belongs with alien which was also a pick, uh, previous weeks which tried to pick alien but capricorn one is a terrific nail-biting thriller in which um the mission to Mars goes horribly awry. It was made, you know, late seventies conspiracy post Watergate was at its height. And Hal Holbrook is behind the nef- nefarious plotting to fake the Mars landing. Yep. And, uh, it has this great cast. It has the great Elliot Gould as a reporter. James Brawl never been better, uh, as the captain of the mission. Uh, Thanos. Sam Warderson is his, uh, second in command. And, and, and then there's, OJ Simpson. Simpson. <laughs> and, you know, look.
3: Well, if you have I Tangerine just, Dream in one thing, you have OJ in another.
0: <laughs> it's OJ Simpson. And, you know, it was interesting when we were watching it, trying to explain uh, who he was to the kids. So, um, <laughs> but uh, Capricorn 1 is terrific. And Hal Holbrook is just sensational Amazing. in it.
3: Just He's for so that good.
0: one scene, he, is, yeah. he steals the movie. He's so good. And, um, there's some great great performances across the board. You know, it's Peter Himes. You know, Peter Himes had some really done, did some really strong work early in his career. I never better, I think, than Capricorn 1. Um, you know, later on when you get to the 80s and Star Chamber in 2010 and some of the other movies, you know, um, Burn, on, you know Burn on Wire with John Battam, but, um, uh, but Capricorn 1 is just a terrific movie, as is Outland, which has been on the show before. Um... So I, 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 my pick for Thursday is the great uh, Capricorn one scored by uh, the brilliant, uh, a curmudgeon, super talented Jerry Goldsmith.
3: It's, a, it's an absolutely phenomenal score. And um, the, uh, on YouTube, there is, a, uh, there is a video of all the B-roll of the behind-the-scenes shooting of Capricorn 1. And it's, hmm. uh, it's basically silent, and there's no, there's no uh, editing in it. It's just footage of them shooting in the, oh, uh, wow, in the, in the desert that. and at the, uh, at yeah. the, uh, uh, the gas station. It's really amazing and and fun, and you can see the second A D S on their walkie-talkies trying to talk to the helicopter pilots, mm-hmm, uh,
2: mm-hmm.
3: trying to uh, coordinate with them to get them to line up correctly. It's really fascinating. But Capricorn which is, a great one scene. is one of my? It's a great scene, and the helicopters when they come themselves out of the sun,
0: are characters. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, like
3: iconic. Them. With the help of Jerry Goldsmith's amazing score, and he has a couple. Uh, late motifs in there that are just, you know, once you hear them, you know exactly what's going on. You know, yeah. boom, 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 boom. Just in the background, you know, something bad's about to happen.
0: And I used that to score a bunch of my Super Eight movies in high school right. and college. So I mean, you know, I used a lot of Jerry Goldsmith and probably more Capricorn One than virtually anything else. You know, look, the the only other movie that I really would have picked would have been uh, John Williams' 1941. Because, again, sure. that's a score that elevates a mediocre movie and Absolutely. makes it that much better. It's mm-hmm. one of the, you know, any other composer would have been their greatest score. But it's John Williams, so it's not his greatest score. But it's so pretty he, spectacular. He it. it's, it's pretty spectacular. So, okay. So that brings us to Friday. And, and I mean, there's so many choices. Uh, you know, we, we, we picked Conan the Barbarian before Basil Paul Doris. I have uh, a he,
6: crazy suggestion for
0: Friday. Go and ahead. Hear me out on
6: this one. Um, because one of the you know we've we've basically talked about kind of two genres right like we've on this episode in particular mm-hmm. we've talked about you know the electronica kind of married with the orchestral we talked about Jerry Goldsmith quite a lot and what I think would be a fascinating pick for Friday would be to pick Legend and here's why because as we all know there are two scores to that movie there's the Jerry Goldsmith score there's the Tangerine Dream score you can see the movie with both scores. Yep, right? And as an exercise just in watching film and how score can change the way we experience film, I think legend is a really good pick because it's it, otherwise it's it's difficult to see a film. I mean, I'm sure there are other examples and you guys are probably about to like hit me with like well here's 5 or 6 um, but as a way of looking at how to approach Friday, I think that's pretty cool because you can just find legend and say, well, what, is that, what does that sound like with Tangerine Dream? What does it sound like with Jerry Goldsmith? I happen to love both scores. They're very different, yeah. but I happen to love both. I would go even farther back Okay, to, to 1927.
3: Oh, my God. Um, that was before music was invented. Yeah, well, uh, no, actually, <laughs> because... Um, <laughs> The original score to Metropolis by hmm. Gottfried Huppertz, which was just released in a in a you know a, a few years ago by Kino Lorber, um, is amazing. Uh, they did a re-recording of the original score for the silent movie, and it is uh, lush and uh, and evocative and truly adds to the the impact of the film, which is already impactful with no score. You know, uh, uh, back in 1984, Giorgio Moroder did a, uh, an electronic soundtrack for mm-hmm. it. That mm-hmm. is, you know, it's fine. Uh, it's, not, it's not my favorite, but
6: the original score is amazing. But you know what, though, the fact that you mentioned that, because I, I agree, and, it's, and it's, it's interesting, right? Just to be able to listen to how different composers approach the same material because I agree with you by the way about Metropolis. I think you're 100% right. I think that's a great pick.
0: I think I think you guys are on to something. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued by the legend thing, but I'm I, I would also think you know it'd be really sad if say James Horner wasn't represented. I can think of so many scores from Alien to Gorky Park to Rathacon to Star Trek 3, you know, um Weirdly, you
6: know, they all have
0: Or, uh, you know, we had Battle Beyond (laughs) Beyond the Stars, I think, on the show in the Shadow of Stars. Very first episode. Bruce Broughton, Silverado, young Sherlock Holmes. You know, um, uh, John Barry hasn't been represented. Um, Again, you know, uh, Black Hole. But the King Kong 76, terrible movie, great score. score. Uh, Legend of the Lone Ranger, terrible movie, great score. The Black Hole. Brilliant stop. movie, brilliant score. No, brilliant
3: it's not score, not a brilliant we, uh, score. It's five minutes of a brilliant score. Oh, repeated stop. Over, and, and over again.
0: And, 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 <laughs> and, and Enio isn't represented. Once Upon a Time in the West, Once Upon a Time in America. We have no Enio Morricone. Um, you know, The Conversation, David Shire, you know, Craig Safe Last Starfighter. So there's a lot of other great composers Absolutely. that we have not touched upon. So yes. I don't know if that's it. Steve, you've been awfully quiet. I'd love to see what Steve has to say. <laughs> Well, I'm still
5: thinking of, you know, uh, movies that were improved by the score. I'm not necessarily looking for a movie that was terrible that was made interesting by a score. I'm looking for you know a movie that was pretty good that was made great by the score. Well, and,
0: Bernard Herrmann and the Harryhausen movies, because that's why I didn't mention North by Northwest or Vertigo, Psycho. Those are all brilliant movies that didn't need Bernard Herrmann, although Bernard Herrmann made them even be- better than they already were. Um, but... You know, maybe you know that some of the Harryhausen movies really benefit, like 7th Voyage of Sinbad*. You know, the Harryhausen works magic, uh, or *It's Alive* too,
2: <laughs> Bernard Herrmann's
0: score. Um, well, the, the my backup movie
5: that I almost chose was uh, Wendy Carlos's *Clockwork Orange*, which sure. nineteen seventy one. That score, that early electronic score, was so bold and groundbreaking. Mm. And I just watched the film again a couple weeks ago, and it's just. That music is so powerful. And, and, but the movie is already a great film. So, I, you know, I don't know if it took, like, you know, an A movie and made it an A-plus or a B-plus movie and made it an A. But I, I still think of, like, John Williams accomplished this miracle a number of times. So you could argue that Jaws was a mediocre movie until that score went in there, that incredible Jaws score.
0: Okay, I would kind of make a counter argument? Jaws has been on the show. Yeah. Jaws is a legendary score. But Jaws 2 is a terrible movie that is completely elevated by a John Williams brilliant score. And it's completely different. I remember on the soundtrack album, it says all new music <laughs> <laughs> you know, for, for Jaws 2. Um, just like Supergirl, which is a horrible yeah, movie, horrible. is elevated by a Jerry score, Goldsmith's Jerry Goldsmith score. Marvelous score. So, I mean, there are definitely a lot of these movies. I mean, you know, Ashley mentioned Superman 78, a fun movie, but that score
5: just makes it something special. And John Williams, Star Wars. Star Wars was like, nobody really knew what that was until that John Williams score came in. And, and we've obviously chosen it before, but I think that's a great example of a score I that seen took, it. it was the chosen one. <laughs> or you could take a, a Tim Burton's Batman movie in yeah. 89. Great
0: yes. Danny Elfman score. Great Danny Elfman score. Terrible movie. Yeah. But no, the score no. is great. Well look, you know, the question is, have we had Star Wars on the show before? Yeah. Sure yes. we have. Yeah. Of Haven't, Haven't we? We have. I know it I not have we? Ashley's
3: picked Empire Strikes Back before. No, no but have, then he changed yeah, but the but Have we Chimney. ever picked Star Wars? Uh, I think like, I picked we, it. You really right. picked it. For like oh, movies yeah, for that movies, didn't get the Oscar. For movies
0: we're thankful for. Movies we're thankful yeah. for, he picked Price, right. it. That's right. Um, because you know, you could argue, you know, Return Empire Strikes Back. Well, what? Empire Strikes Back for Friday. You know, just because the yeah, blue's so large. Picked,
6: Ashley's already picked on price strikes. No, he replaced it with Breakfast at Tiffany's. But I feel like then we picked it again for something else.
0: Oh, did we? Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Well, then let's um, not pick it When again. you mentioned James it's
5: Horner. Good. I watched Braveheart last week for the first time yeah. in years. And the movie, it's a, it's a decent movie, but that John Horner, or that, Wait, that Horner James, score, James, James. Horner James. score James. is... Uh, it was really memorable. I mean, awful lot of uh, bagpipes, awful lot of piping in that movie. But yeah, uh,
0: but where I really respect him is if you look at *Humoresque for the Deep* or *Battle Beyond the Stars*, which these are terrible movies, that his music elevated completely because the scores were so great. And right. *Battle Beyond the Stars* was back when that was fresh, before he recorded right. the same score eight times after that. Right.
3: Well, yeah, *Battle I mean, Beyond it, the Stars* is only a copy of *Star Trek* the motion picture. Is I-
2: it?
6: Oh, absolutely. There's a whole section.
3: Magnificent Seven. Seven.
6: No. Maybe? Maybe? But, I mean, again, to me, like, the, I mean, maybe this is all sort of about definitions, right? Because Steve is like, okay, so what was, like like, a movie that was, like, made great by the music? To me, it's like, yes, but also, like, in what way was the music groundbreaking? Like, in what way did it change, kind of, Regardless of whether the movie was good or not, that we talk about the score in a way that's that's I mean meaningful, right? Which I would, I, of, would of, argue, I, like I would argue I would argue Michael Giacchino for The Incredibles. Mm, that's true. It's very John Barry, but in this completely like different different context. way,
0: yeah. Like I like that score. I don't know if it would I would program it when there's so many better choices. Um, you know, I like his score, and it's one. Thing I'll give to 2009. I actually like his score to Star Trek 2009, mm-hmm. which I'm not a huge fan of the movie. Otherwise, but I do love uh, like his score quite a bit and the teaser.
6: Yeah, and he takes some interesting. He does some interesting things, like he takes the Alexander Courage and he transposes it and like he changes that theme, but it's still there. It's like it's, it's really some fascinating work.
0: But again, what about Ennio? We haven't touched on Ennio, and the, the, you know he's so identified with uh, an entire genre of uh, of, of movie music. You, you know, could and- easily argue that those spaghetti
5: westerns are just kind of these programmer, you know, type well, they're good, but then his scores are so, you know, for a few dollars more or good, the bad and the ugly. Well, I mean, we're
6: gonna a go with personality. Like the, the, the I mean, yes, one hundred percent. Like I could again talk all day about the scores for
0: those films. Well and you fact, you've like, picked those for Western week. That's right. So I mean, I would say we'd have to go with um uh, you know, Arizona. once upon a time in the west. No, once upon a time in the west or, or- is you? I think you picked for a few dollars more, and the good, mm-hmm. the bad, and the ugly. If I'm not mistaken, yes. So that that leads us a fistful of dollars, or Once Upon a Time in the West, which are yeah. both amazing scores.
6: You know who else we haven't talked about? And I'm um, is uh, a movie that was like that was not great but interesting but had a great score, uh, a, a, like a truly great score. Was uh, was Starship Troopers? Yeah,
0: and Basil isn't represented. But have we picked Starship Troopers before on the show? I don't think I we don't have. Think I don't think so. Be wrong. Because that is a great score. Yeah. And, and, and you know, Basil, you know, doesn't get the credit he deserves, but he passed young. Um, I mean, his Conan score is great. You know, And his Conan Destroyer score is very different for a terrible movie. And it's also a wonderful score. Not as good as Conan the Barbarian, but right. it's, it's quite good. But Starship Troopers is terrific. Uh,
5: we, we, uh, you picked it, Mark, on uh, Final oh. Frontier Week. Yes. Oh, okay. Just a well, few months ago. <laughs> oh, oh, oh well. there goes that idea. What else did yeah. Basil do?
6: RoboCop.
2: Oh yeah. We did. We, oh, did. we, we already did. RoboCop. Oh,
6: because I was thanking
3: yeah.
0: it for. Yeah. You know. Now suddenly I can Conan. watch people's heads
5: explode and be okay.
0: We did Conan.
5: Yeah, we did Hunt for Red October. Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: Yes. We didn't do Lonesome Dove. Now that we're picking TV shows, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it
6: was like, like, (laughs) oh, Battlestar Galactica. Well, you Uh, could take something like. No, we picked Battlestar
5: Galactica. Well, like Psycho. I guess that started as a TV movie, but Psycho. A uh, nice little Alfred Hitchcock movie, but that Bernard Herman score is iconic. Is that, was that the but
0: first time we, he worked? Uh, we with we picked Herman? that though, haven't we? We picked it during a Hitchcock week. Yeah, you're yeah. right. But we didn't pick Vertigo. We didn't pick Vertigo. Well, there, there's a reason. Oh, <laughs> right <laughs> words.
6: <laughs>
3: now,
0: okay, okay. How about Henry Mancini for? Oh no, we picked Life Force. But we, the we, Pink we, Panther. We we picked um, Charade in previous weeks. Oddly Um, enough, I
5: just watched The Pink Panther
0: last night. I love Henry
5: Mancini,
6: dude. If you could figure that out, that
5: would be amazing.
6: Burt Bacharach for, like, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. (laughs) I mean, the thing about... Here's the argument I'll make for that. Like, that too, even though that's a great movie in its own right, like, that score was very different. It wasn't what anybody would have expected it to Mm -hmm. be. And yes, like, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head is soundtrack- not score, but it also feels like like it all feels of a piece. It all feels it like it all feels a, like, like it's the cool. 70s. Yeah, it feels like the 70s, which isn't so bad, except for the pants.
0: By the way, I'm and not gonna hair. argue for this, but I, I gotta give out props. You know, one of the great Jerry Goldsmith scores that people don't talk about is his score for under fire. Absolutely. And the the fat is so great. It's, and the fact that Quentin right. Tarantino used it in Django. That's right. Yeah, it blew it's me amazing. blew me away. I could not believe it. I mean, it was so cool. Like, I mean, most people don't even know the score exists. And That's it was one like, of those scores that I will just put on and
2: listen to.
6: Yep, me too. Because it's great. It um, absolutely great. If we're doing lists of things that are worth a listen, we mentioned uh, like it just Tangerine Dream, Risky Business, which has got like this amazing, unexpected Tangerine Dream score with like the great love on a real train track. But it's, um, it's a hybrid with a bunch
0: of songs, too. You know what right. else? There's another, there's another the Goldsmith
3: theme. score that I will put on just to listen to. And I have only seen the movie once and maybe not all the way through. What's that? It's called Lionheart. Oh, yeah. But the
0: score is absolutely phenomenal. Well, I feel that way about the Russia house. I, I don't like the movie. I've only seen yeah. it once, but I listen to that score all the time. Michelle Pfeiffer
6: and Sean Connery and I have no idea why I remember that because I didn't like the movie
0: either. <laughs> Yet, <laughs> I, I still think like we don't have John Barry. Although, I mean, Ashley has an interesting idea. This whole idea of of, of legend, both versions of legend. Although that would put Tangerine Dream in the final week twice, and I think that's mm, I too think, much for Tangerine yeah. Dream. Yeah, I'm like, I'm kind if, of if John real, Williams if, is in it
3: once. If we're gonna go with John Barry, I would vote for Dances with Wolves. Because that's, you know, that's one of those films that the score absolutely makes tons better.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you could argue that.
3: Even with John Barry, which I'm not a a huge fan of, he
6: makes it better. I'm honestly quite fond of uh, Darren's
0: pick of Metropolis. I didn't even say Dancing Wolves, because I'm quite fond of the Dancing Wolves pick. I, mean, I know i, 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 I liked
5: it i like dance with the wolves I, I always have and the score is terrific i, I bought the score right after it came out yeah. um it's
0: been a part of my writing playlist over the years yeah i know I look score, I, but... I like john barry a lot more than you guys do and i mean i would make a passionate case for body heat if we hadn't already picked mm-hmm. him but I, I still think king kong 76 too this is exactly <laughs> what we said that you know I, darren said oh i'm gonna revisit a movie that i Mentioned but it's a different version I thought oh you picked King Kong Now it's going to be Kong 76 And 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 oh, uh, I tricked you But it's not You tricked me You tricked <laughs> That's a playful word um, <laughs> uh, But I, I would go with I would definitely go with Dance with the Wolves Or Wang Chung <laughs> Yeah I
2: mean like look, I'm for it dude Like I love that And like
6: and,
0: and you know we'd at least like
6: Get like a really nice review From Rob Burnett If we did right. To Live and Die in L.A.
0: Well, and 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 you know, look, we have not picked Elmer Bernstein either, but we picked Magnificent Seven, we picked The Great Escape on the show, we picked Sweet Smell of Success. Now, obviously, he's done a lot of other great movies like Stripes oh, and Airplane. It was and that, well? We picked Airplane, movie. Ghostbusters. Um, Ghostbusters. I mean, so so many Elmer Bernstein, and then there's so many other brilliant scores. They like Man with the Golden Arm, but um, Mr. Bernstein. And Stripes is a great score.
5: It is, actually.
2: Dun,
6: <stereotype and> yep. You know what, kids? <laughs> the fact that we can do that. Of course, now, in fairness, we can also break into song on a panel at Comic-Con. So it doesn't necessarily mean but anything that we... I
0: love I love the idea of going with Stripes. When are I we ever going to pick Stripes for military... We're not going to pick it dun, again. That's for sure. Yeah, I yeah. know. So why not? <laughs> unless we do, uh,
3: unless we do Bill Murray week. <laughs> I,
2: I, I don't know I think Stripes would be great
0: because all those comedies that Alan Bernstein did in the 70s and 80s are all great, like Airplane. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Animal House, Stripes. I mean, he, uh, Ghostbusters. The score for Ghostbusters. Forget the dumb Ray Parker song. there, yeah, no, no, mm-hmm. the, score, up, the score uh-huh. is amazing. What so, up, like, what to what me, up, this oh. is almost saying honoring all those by picking stripes you know that whole that's run a good way to go
1: are you stuck in a dead end job
0: we're going to be killed
1: oh no just keep your hands Not on the killed. wheel and slow down Not killed. <laughs> personal problems got you down you can't
7: go all the plants are gonna die
1: well, the US Army can turn your life around. Before I knew it, she was walking next to me
2: singing do what did it did it, did it do.
1: Join a whole new breed of professionals. Learn what it's like to feel like a man. Get your body into incredible shape. Muscles. I love those muscles. Doom Master important career skills.
2: What are you gonna do with that? This and this. <laughs>
0: Who's your
1: friend? So Who's your buddy?
2: So
1: I am, aren't I? And represent your country in foreign
2: lands. Gentlemen,
1: we are in Germany! <laughs> so, if you're a man who likes to take charge of your own life...
2: Boom shaka, laga, laga, boom shaka, laga, laga, boom shaka, laga, laga, boom!
1: So am I to understand that you men completed your training on your own?
7: That's the fact, Jack! That's the fact, Jack!
1: And this looks like your kind of challenge.
7: Green killer! You're a lean, mean, violent machine! I'll do
1: it! Join Bill Murray in Stripes. This could be the best experience of your life.
2: What the?
6: I think okay. it's crazy. It appeals to me. It appeals to the Wednesday in me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's really funny. <laughs> Thank you. It's my job. It's what I do. It's what you do. Um, <laughs> Steve, you good with that? Yeah, no,
5: I I, I love the score. I, I have the score. It's been a part of uh, some plays, other playlists of mine. And it, it really does take a fun little movie and uh, it
0: gives a little extra juice. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. A little extra juice. That's what we need on Friday, a little extra juice. Because the juice is loose on Thursday <laughs> <Okay>. and Friday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh my! Raise a cup to Sergeant Hulka. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. So
0: oh, on Monday, Steve Melching, tell us what we won. Monday, it's Daft Punk score for Tron Legacy. Tuesday, Darren Dockerman.
5: John Williams score for
3: Jane Eyre from 1970.
0: Wednesday, Ashley Edward Miller.
6: Tangerine Dreams debut score for William Friedkin's 1977
0: Sorcerer. On Thursday, it's Jerry Goldsmith's magnificent score for Capricorn One, and on Friday, it's Elmer Bernstein for <laughs> Stripes. da da the
5: Jack.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow you know this could have been forget a week this could have been a month it could have been yeah. Yeah. You know, it was I mean, almost a week is. it's a fun week. week it's a fun week it's a fun week and if you don't know, if, you, if you can pour it on the weekend watch Legend with the Jerry Goldsmith and the Tangerine Dream score. that's right Saturday yeah. and Sunday kill kill right. six or seven hours <laughs> <That's right. laughs> anyway well this is great guys as always and uh We'll be back next Friday with another all-new theme week on the 4.30 movie. We want to remind you, you can actually watch us on the Electric Now channel, uh, and you can download the free streaming app, Electric Now, at your favorite app store, or watch us on Roku or on Sir TV, Distro TV, and, and Sling TV, where uh, the Electric Now channel is available featuring us, the 4.30 movie, and some other fine podcasts, including... The cartoon barroom featuring none other than Steven Melching and Ashley Edward Miller. And if you like Star Trek kids, check out the inglorious Trexperts with Darren Doctor and myself, Mark A. Altman, along with our new spinoff, Deep Space Podcast. No, our, our spinoff <laughs> show, Trexperts Briefing Room, and where we curate uh, audio commentaries for significant episodes in Star Trek history. And of course, there's the great, best movies ever made with Steve Scarlatta and. Josh Miller. Josh Miller. Thank you very much. Writer of Sight of Hedgehog. And if you're a fan of this podcast, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And check us out every week as our fourth season continues to march on and on and on. And we want to thank our uh, great uh, uh, sound mixer, the great Bill Ritter, along with Mark Rivera has been making us sound so great, so great these last couple of weeks in this new season, as well as our producer, Nellie and our associate producer, Zach Raggett, and Peter Holmstrom, as well as Dylan Middlebrook, uh, who uh, has uh, taken us to new heights on the Electric Now channel. So thank you for that. And uh, And until next week. Thanks to our listeners
3: who make us your soundtrack.
0: Everybody. <laughs> wow, that's great! But we're not a score; we're a soundtrack. That's we're right. we're 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 uh, you know, we're we're like Greece. But wait, when we go, dun, Greece dun, is dun, the word. Dun, dun,
6: dun. Is that score or is that soundtrack? Yes, that's the score. No, that's score. Okay, that's, that's score.
0: score. Now, if you were singing like you did on the recent cartoon barroom, the Star Blazers theme, oh. that would be different. That <laughs> would not be score. I mean, that, that would, would be, be soundtrack. soundtrack. That's why I hey, hate when people say the greatest soundtracks of all time, and they say Pulp Fiction. Now, Pulp Fiction has amazing songs and it's extremely well curated, but it's not a score. It's a soundtrack. That's it's right. Like, well, those are for oh, that's what we don't for. know the score. That's what this
6: podcast is about.
0: Risky <laughs> business, gentlemen. Risky business. That's right. Risky business. Which, as we said during our teen movie, high school movie week, is still one of the great uh, a high school teen exploitation. Not not even teen exploitation. It's Porky's is teen exploitation. Oh, right. Risky Business is great. It's for little enterprises. enterprises.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know,
0: Darren, Princeton can use a man like Darren. <laughs> <Thank> you.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: certainly now. And it, it, yeah. Certainly now. So anyway, it, it's always a pleasure being here with you on the 430 movie. And this is a good show because, you know, uh, my my wife, Naomi, she listens every week and she's a big fan of the show. And she said, you know, Bogart week, not so great. I, I don't like when you just do one person. I like when it's, it's a broader canvas where you don't have no idea what's coming up. She says, like when you do like Harrison Ford week or Humphrey Bogart week or, you know, Gene Hackman, I, I don't enjoy the show as much. Huh. So hopefully I'll be anxious to hear what Naomi has to say about this week. Which, uh, I mean, we covered everything. We covered, it was covered the waterfront. On the waterfront, we were. We, oh, we, we forgot that all. one. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, Alex North. Not a big fan of Alex North. I mean, Dragon Slayer is good, but I'm not a huge Alex North fan. I'm not either. Neither was Stanley yeah. Kubrick. But I'm <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. Okay, well, I think it's time we got out of here. We don't want to overstay our welcome, or it'll be the 8:30 movie. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm done. So until next week, on behalf of Stephen Melchin, Darren Dock, Ashley Edward Miller, Jessica Van Puttermaker, and myself, <laughs> Pete Potwiss. Um <laughs> eyewitness news starts now.